Welcome to the XEGS Cart by Cart podcast, the first and only podcast covering Atari's last answer to the 8-bit gaming system. In episode 5, we get into the Olympic spirit and try to go for the gold as we review and compete against each other in the multi-sport competition, Summer Games. Now here are your less than mesomorphic hosts, Bill, David, Kieran, and Michael. Welcome, everybody, to the fifth episode of the XCGS Cart by Cart podcast, and it's a balmy 13 degrees Fahrenheit in Toronto, Canada, just in time for winter here in the Northern Hemisphere. We will be reviewing summer games, so grab your sunscreen, power up your Atari, and on your mark, get set, ready, go, and let's go over to the news to get warmed up. (laughs) Boy, was that bad. (laughs) Improv. All right. Okay, so I took part in uh, in Extra Life, which is the uh, annual fundraising gaming marathon that uh, benefits children's hospitals. Um, you're supposed to do it in basically 24 hours. I spent 24 hours across like three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, doing it. And I um, posted a lot of photos and a couple videos and some status updates over to Twitter as I did it, which was fun. Um, I had to do some errands with the family, so I took uh, my links and a Game Boy Advance out for that. So I kept the gaming going. Um, then to, uh, for some downtime, I watched, uh, the new documentary Man vs. Snake, um, which is, uh, um, it's kind of like the, uh, the Donkey Kong, uh, Kings of Kong movie, but it's about Nibbler. Um, basically people battling for the world's top score in that game from, you know, 35 years ago. So, uh, at the very end, at the last minute, I, um, I ended my extra life Sunday night by whipping up a little Nibbler-esque game in, uh, Turbo Basic on my, uh, Atari 1200XL. And then, uh, and then later discovered there was actually an official port of the game from back in the 80s. So it was <laughs> useless, but, uh, but it was fun. And, you know, I, po- I posted that online with, you know, explanation of, of what I was doing. Um, altogether, uh, me and a couple other teammates for, uh, Team Atari Party, uh, earned $215 in donations, which was pretty oh. cool. <clears throat> um, in other news, I bought an Ultimate Cart, uh, that Yay. SD, yeah, the SD based, uh, cartridge thingy. Um, it emulates a whole ton of different cart styles. So old 8K and 16K carts, um, OSS, Sparta DOS X carts, and more modern stuff like, uh, Atari Max, um, Max Flash carts, the ones that are, uh, 1 and 8 megabit. So, what was it, 128K and, and 1 megabyte? Mm-hmm. Um, all menu based, super cool. I got mine from, uh, uh, Marlon Bates, who goes by Mac Rory over on the uh, Atari Age forums, um, he's selling them under his The Brewing Academy moniker. Uh, he also sells the uh, R-Time 8 cartridge replacement that he uh, put together um, and was interviewed on Antic recently about. Um, he uh, Last I saw, he was selling those for uh, $85 with a case or $75 without, um, plus uh, $7, this is all U.S. dollars, uh, for U.S. priority mail uh, shipping. Um, but he lives, like, literally the next town from me, so I just drove up and visited his house and grabbed it from him, so that was fun. And then uh, in our show notes, we'll have a nice overview of the Ultimate Cart um, that Jonathan Halliday, also known as Flash Jazz Cat, um, posted over on his atari.co.uk site. I also donated a big pile of my old magazines, including a whole bunch of uh, antic and analogs that I received kind of recently, to Rob McMullen of the Player Missile Podcast. So he'll actually get some use out of them. They've just been sitting on my um, shelf uh, and uh, in return, he was uh, nice enough to take me and my kids out for pizza and uh, visit a local space and science museum. So oh. since we had a total of four kids running around, we didn't actually get to chat much about Atari, but still <laughs> still nice to get together and 
uh, get those out of my my office, basically. <laughs> Give them to a better home. And then, um, speaking of other podcasts, I've been catching up with the Ten Pence Arcade, um, which I highly recommend. Uh, and they also those guys seem to like the Atari 8-bit, so every once in a while you hear them mention our favorite computer. And then finally, most recently, I got um, Art of Atari, book for Christmas, just like everyone else seems to have received. <laughs> it seems like everybody <laughs> either got that or the uh, the portable 2600 handheld that just came out, the new flashback or whatever it was. Um, I've barely had time to look at it, but uh, so far it looks incredible, which uh, seems to agree with what everyone else has been saying about it. So I look forward to, to diving into that. All right, David, what you been up to? Well, talking about the Atari flashback portable, my friend Glenn Plenamento was kind enough to send me one as a gift as these are not in sale in Canada. So that was really nice. And yes, it's a really, really nice little console. And at this time, uh, what they're doing is they're making uh, a list of ROMs uh, that work. So not only will you have the 60 games that came with the console, uh, you'll have hundreds and hundreds more. And they're even trying to see if certain homebrews will work on the console as well. So that's actually a very interesting, very busy thread on Atari Age. Um, other than that, episode two of the Atari 5200 podcast is out. And so far we received positive feedback and thanks to all the listeners for their support. Uh, we reviewed Countermeasured and Wizard of War. And again, I had my friend Glenn Planamento as a guest host. And uh, Glenn also has a great YouTube channel by the same name. He has now joined the Atari 5200 podcast team as a permanent co-host. The podcast is also having a contest giveaway. So you'll have to listen to the podcast to find out more. Uh, I was recently interviewed on Retro Domination podcast that hails out of Australia. Take a listen. It's episode 96. I gave a shout out to my XCGS buddies on the show. Hopefully we can pick up some more listeners from down under. As far as the soap opera of my retro life, I have sold uh, basically all my Vetrex stuff off and making room for my uh, Atari Jaguar complete in box. And I'm also waiting for a cart of Rebooteroids from Atari Age. I always liked Asteroids and Rebooteroids is Asteroids with that Tempest 2000 flair. So I'm looking forward to playing it. Also... Uh, there's, for people who remember Tempest Extreme, well, they're coming back with a sequel. It's going to be Tempest Ultimate for the Atari 8-bit. Looks like it's coming out soon, so head on over to Atari Age forums and let them know you're interested in a copy. Also, I picked up a Raspberry Pi to try out uh, RetroPie. RetroPie has a ton of emulators, including MAME, and I'm looking forward to playing some classic arcade games. Oh, yes, and I just wanted to add, I wanted to thank um, Bill a lot. Uh, He sent me a bunch of Atari 7800 games uh, and the boxes, and I really appreciate that. And thank you very much, Bill. Oh, and happy to send them to a better home than mine. (laughs) They were not, those games were not getting played very often, so. (laughs) Which which games were they? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, Was Scrapyard Dog amongst them? Oh, yeah, you gave me Scrapyard Dog. Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah, that's one. Of, that was one of my first to go. That was one. <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember. Um, Let's not talk about this right now because I can't remember either. <laughs> Put you on the it, spot. It, yeah, it all it all gets mixed. They're up. on my shelf <laughs> with their friends. And that's pretty much what's uh, been up with me so far. How about you, Michael? 
Well, um, I also got an ultimate card thanks to you, David. And you also sent me an Epix uh, 500XJ joystick in box. Mm -hmm. So it's sitting on my desk right now. I haven't played with it yet because it's it still smells fresh, and I don't want to ruin that freshness. Um, it's so noisy. Yeah, <laughs> the clicky clickies. Yeah, but still, they're very, they were nice, uh, nice joysticks. Um, also, Christmas brought me, um, The Art of Atari. I'm one of those people, and it's an absolutely <laughs> beautiful book. I, and I haven't cracked it much either. I, it's sitting on my table right now. I need to sit down and start thumbing through it, but I, you know, open it up as absolutely, um, very high uh, production value or quality. Um, also got a, a Arduino Mega, and I've just started to, um, set up, uh, SIO to Arduino, which is, you know, one of those drive emulators. And I'm having some problems with that. So I was kind of asking earlier why, how, how much uh, C++ you knew because I'm having some problems compiling, but I'll figure it out. And then I also got a DIN to composite, um, an S video cable. I'd never had one. So I plugged it in. My, my picture on my Atari uh, 800XL looks much better. Do you have a, a split Chroma Luma on your, on your XL? Um, I don't because I plugged okay. it in for the S video and it came out as black and white. Okay. So yeah, yeah so I don't have hack, that. Hack around in there. Yeah, or I, I saw that there was a video upgrade for it, so I might consider going that route. But uh, it was weird because um, I plugged it in, and then my screen went all crazy. It just, I mean, like a bunch of um, weird characters appeared, and I shut it down, restarted, and weird characters again. And then it was a black screen, and I said, oh, I screwed up my system. And then I just went to dinner and came back, and it was fine. It was I don't know if it was the cable or what, but I'm not plugging in the S-Video again until I fix it. Um, also, I, got, I started uh, doing a lot of garage cleaning. It's been a uh, process in my life to get to the garage uh, cleaned out enough to where I can start filling it with more retro stuff. And uh, so my wife at Christmas gave me the uh, the high sign that says that I can start collecting again because I did good enough. So uh, I started getting a few things. I got an EMAC and another monitor from uh, for uh, was Commodore monitors, and um, yeah, it was a Commodore 2002 monitor. And then in the wild, I found a Thrustmaster RCS, which is the rudder control system for the old Thrustmaster joysticks. These come with a joystick throttle and uh, rudder controls. Or sorry, that's not the throttle. The RCS is the rudders. Um, and uh, so I found that in the wild. It's not that old. It's like late 90s or whatever, or mid 90s, but still, it's it's sort of retro. I get this point. So. Okay, so it's that marvelous time of year again uh, when we get a ton of new Atari 8-bit games. Um, ABIC, the Atari Bitbiter User Club out of Germany, held its annual uh, software contest, and winners from the 2016 software contests are number 10, Get Up. It's kind of a how-far-can-you-get-up-the-screen action game where you fly a little spaceship. Number 9 was Big Mess, uh, a turn-based turn puzzle game written in Turbo Basic XL. Number 8 is Reign of Terror. That's R-A-I-N, uh, a paddle-based shooter. Uh, with para paratroopers descending on your gun, uh, kind of similar to Sabotage on the old Apple II. Uh, number seven was 1K, a Tasky Blaster. Am I supposed to go ding? I, I forget if you're supposed to go ding after a Tasky or inverse. Anyway, um, a cute horizontal scrolling shoot 'em up uh, featuring giant Atasky graphics as obstacles that you're supposed to shoot at scrolling towards you. Um, number six was Space Fortress Omega, which was a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up. Number five is Name This Game. Excuse me. And you literally name the game. Uh, it's a quiz game containing graphics from a whole bunch of different Atari games, and you're supposed to guess which game it was. Oh, wow. uh, number four was Skyscraper, which is a, a fast action puzzle game where you basically build buildings up into the sky. Number three was um, The Monk, which is a 2D Minecraft style game, and it's actually based on a mini Minecraft game by Man Minecraft's own creator, Notch. I think it was a, um, a Ludum Dare or something, I forget. So, some 
real mini thing he did as a as a contest kind of thing, um, recreating his giant game as a small version. And then now we have an Atari version of that. So uh, number two is Die, D-Y-E, as in like you would color something. And it's a, a graphical puzzle game, uh, which is pretty fun. And number one is Demos Dungeon, which is a, a platformer kind of sequel to uh, Demos Quest, which if you remember was the um, Chips Challenge style game from the Amiga uh, that the creator actually demade on the Atari a couple of years back. Also, um, less interesting to us probably because we're a game podcast, but there's also some new applications and some hardware projects that were also released. So go check that out. Um, on top of that, Silly Venture. Uh, which is an annual retro computing party held in Poland, had a contest, and uh, two new games came out from that. Their number two in the contest was At Arian Line, A-R-I-O-N, Arian, Arian, I don't know. At Arian Line, a fast action single shooter, which claims 1920 colors. I have no idea how that works. Uh, and then number one was Pang, which is a, a really incredible port of um, the 1989 arcade game, uh, which is kind of part Space Invaders, part Breakout, part Asteroids. You're a little guy at the bottom uh, shooting kind of grappling hooks up in the air to pop little balloon ball things that bounce around and get smaller and smaller as you break them. Um, I played that uh, for the first and probably only time um, at the like end of high school, like the graduation event that ran all overnight. Like People were partying in the pool and doing blah, 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 and I was like just I was stuck on pang. Just, I played that video game for like eight hours straight. <laughs> so And the Atari 8-bit version is, is very nice looking. Um, I think it's PAL only, though. And then... Uh, j- oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish that part. Okay. Um, and then finally, coming out of Silly Venture, uh, tons of new music and graphics um, and full demos, and uh, the, not just for the Tri-8, but, but also for the 2600 Lynx, Atari ST, and more. Yes. What I wanted to say was I saw a video of the um, the demos on the 2600. Amazing. No, really, the 2600 demos were, were very cool. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay, uh, Adenum and Arata. Adam Triofino, co-host of the Bally Alley Astrocast, a podcast about the Bally Astrocade game console, pointed out that the Atari 8-bit port of Donkey Kong was not the only one to have four uh, screens found in the arcade game. Both versions of the Commodore 64 did as well. Uh, yes, there were uh, two licensed ports, uh, one from Atari Soft in 1983 and Ocean Software in 1986. I appreciate the correction, Adam. Check out his podcast over at HTTP, www.ballyalleyastrocast.libsyn, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And by the way, uh, the Atari 7800 owners out there, Perry Tinte, a.k.a. Temp392, made a pair of top-notch homebrew noted Donkey Kong XM for the 7800 expansion module and Donkey Kong PK with built-in pokey sound chip. All right. Now time to review Summer Games. There's an overview of it. Uh, Summer Games, of course, is the name. It was published by Atari Corp. in 1988. The model number is RX8098. The genre is sports or multi-event. And it was developed by Epix Incorporated by Scott Nelson, Stephen Landrum, Aaron Murphy, John Lepp, Stephen Muldry, Randy Glover, and Brian McGee. Based on the 1984 Epix version floppy disk, also published in the UK in 1984 by U.S. Gold.
So uh, Summer Games is a set of sports mini-games based on eight events you'd see at the Summer Olympics. Like Michael said, it was originally released in 84, uh, the year of the Games' 23rd Olympiad, which were held in Los Angeles. In 1988, the year the XEGS version came out, Summer Olympics were held in Seoul, South Korea. Um, I had the disc version of this game as a kid, and I still have it, and it still works, and I played it some during Extra Life. Um, the first time I had given it a serious go in at least 20 years. So from the XEGS cartridges box, you're an Olympic athlete competing in eight key events at the Summer Games. How well can you score in diving, ski shooting, pole vaulting, the 400-meter track relay, the 100-meter dash, gymnastics, freestyle relay, and 100-meter freestyle swimming? But wait, there's more. No. Um, Summer <laughs> Games <laughs> Summer Games has incredible realism, superb state-of-the-art graphics and sound effects, including the Olympic theme and true action strategy gameplay. I'd argue with the strategy part there. Anyway. <laughs> In each event, you must plan and execute your game strategy in order to maximize your score. It's not just a matter of how fast you can move the joystick, although in some cases it is. Um, <laughs> so ch change into your running shoes. Grab your joystick and go for the gold, gold, gold. Um, and then they've got some bullet points, opening, uh, opening and awards ceremonies, eight different sports events, compete against friends or the computer, individual and team play for one to three players. Um, so it can be played with one or two joysticks, um, Although even with two joysticks, most of the games are pl uh, one player at a time. Uh, the swimming and running games can be played head-to-head. -head. The game actually does require a keyboard, which I guess we should mention for these XEGS podcasts, huh? Because some of you all out there might not have one. Um, so you actually need to enter the names of the competitors before you can, can actually start the game. Right. Well, uh, let's talk about some of the countries they have uh, featured. Well, you got USA, of course. I shouldn't say of course because we got David. He's from Canada, but uh, USA, France, Great Britain, USSR. Now, um, if you all remember, in 1984, uh, the USSR boycotted the Olympics, so they were only um, uh, there for the 88 Olympics, which would make sense since this was released in 88. Uh, Canada, Mexico, Japan, Germany, Australia, Italy, Denmark, Netherlands, Norway, Austria. Ireland, Brazil, Spain, and last but not least, Epics, which is their national anthem is the Jumpman theme. There's a total of eight events and six venues. We've got pole vault, platform diving, four-time 400-meter relay race, 100-meter dash, gymnastics, Freestyle Relay, 100-meter freestyle, and skeet shooting. Okay, so when you start the game up, you get a, a title screen. Um, on the disc version, it actually showed uh, some credits, but on the XEGS cart, you just get basically copyright Atari. Um. <laughs> yeah, no credit to developers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they have the opening ceremonies um, with the uh, torch lighting. So we have a little guy run out with a Olympic torch, and he lights the big torch at the, the venue. And uh, some doves fly out. It's pretty cool. And, you know, the Olympic music plays. Uh, then on to the main menu. The options include compete in all the events, compete in one event, practice one event, number of joysticks, one or two, and opening ceremonies, if you want to go back and watch that again. Um, when you compete or practice in one event, uh, a screen will first appear that lets, uh, allows you to choose the event. And then you move on to uh, 
enter the names of the players, a.k.a. athletes. So use the keyboard to enter the name of the athlete number one and press return. Then use the joystick and fire button to choose your country on a grid of uh, three by three flags. Um, you can press the select key or button um, to switch between two screens of nine countries. So that's how you get to the other countries. Um, you can enjoy your national anthem, or if you're sick of it, press fire to skip. <laughs> um, and then you repeat for other players that you want in the game, uh, simply pressing return, entering a blank name, in other words, uh, when you're done, uh, if you're playing with less than three players in this case. Um, then you'll be asked to confirm the inputs. Uh, it's going to show all the names and countries, and you can choose either yes or no uh, with the joystick and, and then press fire. And if you pick no, you just start the name entering part again. All right, so the first event is Pole Vault. Um, the description of pole vaulting is a track and field event in which a person uses a long, flexible pole as an aid to jump over a bar. It's pretty simple. On paper, uh, that me... sounds really weird. Why would anybody yeah. want to? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm guessing they all were sitting around a bar, and they said, I can jump over this stick with this other stick. That's that's how all these things happen. It's usually they over were playing a pool, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's a right? great. So they were, pole, they were pole vaulting over the pool table. And then they just had they had to raise the bar, yeah. literally. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let me give some history on uh, the game. It was introduced in summer of 1896 for men's, um, and the person who got the gold that year was William Holt of U.S. And then uh, way into 2000 for women, Stacy Dragula, Dragula from the U.S. won that one. Current record is 6.03 meters in 2006. By Diego Braz da Silva from Brazil. So how do you play? Well, um, the starting height is of the bar is four meters, or that's one meter equals 3.28 feet. So it's 13.12 feet for U.S. people. You have a choice to choose if you want to jump. You got a yes or no. Uh, if all players choose no, the bar can be raised and it can be raised up to five meters. At that point in time, you have to start the game. Uh, you could get to choose a grip, uh, three, three, uh, choices, low, medium, high on the pole. And of course, those, uh, those, those grips get you basically extend you higher. So usually for a low bar, you want to choose a low bar, medium, that sort of thing. Uh, to initiate the uh, game to start, um, you press the fire button. Then you pull back to plant the pole in the box and push forward to kick up and over the bar. And then finally, press the fire button again to release. So it's really all about timing. Uh, if you miss the, the box too soon or too late, you foul. Uh, if you kick up too soon or too late, you'll end up hitting the, the bar. And scoring is by completing the vault within three chances to continue or you're eliminated. So uh, let's talk about our uh, our real scores. We all tried this and uh, to see how well we could do. Bill, you want to go first? <clears throat> yeah, I played with my uh, my he just turned ten year old. Um, I'll also include uh, some high scores from my disc version from when I was a kid. So when I played this time, uh, I made the four meter one, and that was it. <laughs> um, and my son fal- faulted, so I got the gold. Yay! Wait, how do you have your scores from when you were a kid? Oh, I have the disc version. But but oh, does it save it on there? Oh wow, that's yeah, cool! Awesome. I, I we'll totally get to that, that later. We'll get to that later. I got, I got oh. a little surprise. Oh, I'm there. sorry, I, ru- I ruined her there. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> so, um, I played all these games with my oldest daughter, and she really enjoyed them. In fact, she saw me playing them today when I was doing um, some uh, cleanup of my review, and she she got excited about playing it again. So we played a couple of games before I had to get back to the, finishing up the review. But uh, originally, when we played, um, my score was a 5.1 meters. And my daughter faulted, unfortunately. But she got better later on, so. <laughs> what about you, David? 
well, after this experience with this game, <laughs> I know now that I am not only physically unathletic, but virtually as well. <laughs> I did, however, uh, get four meters, and I did win the yeah. bronze. But it yeah. it's but it should be known that since I was playing by myself, there was no lower score to be had. <laughs> uh, great. Okay, let's move on to uh, diving. This is platform diving, um, and the description of that is diving is a sport of jumping or falling into water from a platform or springboard, usually while performing acrobatics. Um, and again, some history on the event. Uh, originally, platform uh, was introduced to the Olympics in 1904. George Sheldon, a U.S., won the gold in that. And then the springboard was done in 19 was introduced in 1908 by George Gaidzik from the U.S. And then for women, it was 1912 for platform. Greta Johansson from Sweden won that gold. And springboard in 1920 by Eileen Riggin of the U.S. And then some trivia. Originally, it was known as fancy diving. Uh, the springboard was added in 1908 to replace something called plunge for distance event, which is essentially where they just jump as far as they uh, standing up and to propel themselves forward as far as possible. But it was uh, considered uninteresting. I, I, I can't imagine why. Um, so how do you play? Uh, you stand uh, on a platform 30 feet uh, or 9.144 meters in the, in the air. You will perform four forms of diving. You have forward, backward, reverse, and inward. You push the fire button to launch off the platform. Pushing the stick right will do a full tuck, which is your fastest rotation. Pushing it back is a pike position, and that's your second, fa second fastest rotation. Uh, moving it left is the half pike position, second slowest rotation. And finally, pushing it forward is the layout position. It's the slowest rotation and how you must enter the water for the best score, either uh, head first or feet first. Uh, you're scoring. Well, uh, you're scored on uh, difficulty, number of rotations, and position, and that's scored from 1.0 to 4.1, and how you enter the water. Again, like I said, fully extended, either feet or head, straight in. Uh, then there's a score calculation. The total points of each dive are calculated by eliminating the high and low of seven judges' scores and multiplied by the difficulty rating. And the screen, uh, the scoring screen shows three statuses. Uh, description, which is the next dive you're about to perform, your dive rating, the score your last of your last performance, and the current standings, total won by all the competitors. Again, back to real scores. What about you, Bill? All right. Um, so I only got 224.9 points, but uh, that's because <laughs> well, that's because my son um, interfered due to some confusion over whose turn it was. Um, <laughs> he got the gold with uh, 363.7 points, but I'm not gonna. Wow. We're, we're not including that later, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got uh, 359.5, and my daughter got, get this, 420.25. So she totally smoked me and rubbed nice. my face. She, yeah. she smoked all of us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to tell her that'll make her happy. What about you, David? Well, I held up the rear with a massive 221 points, and I am the master of the belly flop. Yay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so the next event is the uh, 4x400 meter relay. Um, it's an athletics track event in which teams consisting of four runners uh, who compete 
400 meters or one lap. Um, and basically, a relay race is members of a team taking turns running, swimming, cross-country, skiing, or whatever, um, usually with a baton in fist, uh, which they then hand off to the next athlete. So um, to play this one, uh, press fire to set your runner at the starting line. He just kind of magically appears. Uh, and then watch for the mark, set, go with the starting pistol sound. Uh, move the joystick right to start running. Uh, you can false start by jumping the gun. And if you do two false starts, you disqualify. Um, so in this game, you control your runner's speed by moving the joystick between left, uh, centered, and right positions. Um, and what you need to do is pace yourself by watching a little gauge at the bottom that shows your runner's energy reserves. Uh, the longer and brighter white uh, it is, the more energy you have, and then it gets down to where you're basically exhausted. Um, and then what you do, when, once you catch up with the, the next runner, you press fire to pass the baton to them. Uh, each of the four runners uh, have different traits, and this is something I don't remember ever knowing, um, even though I had the manual for the disc version, so I guess I just didn't read it carefully enough back then. Who reads um, the manuals? Yeah. So all of them tire more easily at the start of their leg, um, and then there's some differences between the runners, like it said. Uh, runner one can't re regain energy as fast as runner four, and runner two loses energy faster than runner three. So you want to keep that in mind when you try to pace these guys, and, and you know you don't want to you don't want to tire them out too too much. Otherwise, they'll just slow all the way down, and your opponent will just go blazing past you. Score-wise, um, I did the 400 in um, 3 minutes and 22.1 seconds. Uh, my son got 3 minutes and 33.8 seconds. Michael, what'd you get? Well, I got 300, 300, <laughs> 3 minutes <laughs> to 29, 329.6, and my daughter got uh, 323.5. So, uh, and I, I saw uh, when I was looking up um, information on this game, it said that you're supposed to uh, push the joystick to the right when the crowd holds up USA. So as soon as you hit the sign of USA, you're supposed to push it full forward. And that seemed to work sometimes, but, uh, you know, maybe I'm not doing energy management that well. So anyway, uh, David, what about you? Well, I actually did win. Uh, I got, I got three minutes, 23.5 seconds that earned me a gold. Uh, I must say that this must have been the cause of many premature failure of joysticks. And I was having semi-cardiac symptoms <laughs> at the end. So I'm happy there was no more than just four. The 400 was no longer than the 400. Let's put it that way. Did you sprain your arm doing your hand doing it? You know, pushing the joystick uh, too yeah, hard. I had to get out the old, I had to get out the old uh, Ben Gay there. Yeah, wrap that. Uh, okay, up next is the 100 meter dash, and that's described as a sprint race in track and field competition. Okay, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Uh, it was originally introduced uh, in, to men, uh, men's uh, Olympics in 1896. And it was, the gold was, uh, obtained by, uh, Thomas Burke of the U.S. and he did, uh, 12 seconds. Uh, women's 1928 by Betty Robinson of USA and she did it in 12.2. So not too far off, uh, old Thomas. Uh, a little bit of trivia about Betty Robinson, uh, the one, the, the lady just I spoke about. Uh, she was in, in a plane crash in 1931 and when she was found, the man that found her thought she was dead and put him in his trunk and then, uh, drove her to the undertaker. And there it was discovered that she was still alive. She was actually in a coma for seven months and then in a wheelchair for another six and couldn't walk uh, for another two years. But um, she actually was in the 1936 Olympics 
but she was unable to kneel due to their injuries. So they had her um, a part of the U.S. relay team where she ended up winning a gold. So, uh, wow, you can do anything, people. That is awesome. <laughs> There's no excuses now. Betty's just proven it to you. <laughs> so uh, uh, the current record is uh, held by Usain Bolt of Jamaica, and it's uh, 9.58. And he got that in 2009. So how do we play this game? Well, this is an all dash to win the race. The starting procedure is the same as the 400 meter relay. Uh, when the race starts, increase your speed by jiggling the joystick as rapidly as you can. Side to side or up and down. Best time wins. So a little, here's a little, another little hint. I found that if you move the joystick around in a circle, I got there faster. So that's my, that's my secret. <laughs> I didn't tell my daughter that initially. I just. Thanks for I telling won. me that now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you gotta fail on your own. <laughs> no pain, no gain. Well, okay. Uh, scores. What about you, Bill? What'd you get? All right, I got a, a eleven point six seven seconds. Um, my son got fourteen point six five. Oh wow! So I got eight point six three. Um, that uh, that beats old Hussein Bolt. So I'm faster than him. I'm the fastest man in the world. I'll let everybody know there. And my daughter got uh, seven point nine six. Wait, she beat me. She, okay, she's the fastest man in the world. How did she get that? <laughs> I think this is when we were playing for a while and then I told her the secret and she's younger. (laughs) Okay, David, what about you? Well, I got a, uh, I got 10 seconds, 10 point, I guess you'd say 10.1 second, which again gave me a gold and, uh, and more, uh, pain and more, uh, Ben Gay to put on my arm. (laughs) Well, you did pretty good. Yeah, for an old man. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Keep practicing. All right, so next up is uh, gymnastics, and uh, that is a sport involving the performance of exercises requiring balance, strength, flexibility, agility, endurance, and control. It evolved from exercises used by the ancient Greeks that included skills for mounting and dismounting a horse and from circus performance skills. So in this game, um, pay attention because this one you have to know what you're doing. You don't just start jiggling the joystick. Um, press fire to get set and then release it to start running towards the springboard and horse. Uh, press fire again to jump, aiming for the springboard. The closer to the edge of the, the board, the higher you'll, higher you'll go. Um, if you fail to jump or jump too soon or too late, you'll have to try again. Miss twice and you were disqualified. <laughs> So you can push left or right as you leave the springboard to perform a 180-degree axial body twist. Um, it increases the difficulty of your performance, but it makes a higher score possible. And then while you're up in the air, you can push up or forward um, and down or back or leave the stick centered uh, to change your body position and rotation speed, much like in the, in the diving game. Um, forward is a full tuck for fast rotation. Centered is a layout position with uh, medium rotation. And then back is your landing position, which is slow rotation. So you're basically standing up, spinning around in the air. Um, you must be in the landing position for a correct landing. Um, and then if you stumble once you land, which happens a lot to me, um, you can kind of correct yourself by shoving left or right on your joystick. Uh, otherwise, you will fall on your butt. Um, the highest score is awarded for a perfect landing after a 180 twist with the maximum height followed by a triple somersault. Easy peasy. <laughs> so um, I got uh, 6.3. Uh, so I'm very rusty this game. Um, I, used to be, I used to be really good at it. Uh, my son got 5.3 points. Um, back in the 80s or 90s, I got as high as uh, 17.4 points. So wow. yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Michael, what'd you get? 
Well, I found this to be the most difficult game out of all of them. I only got an 8.2, and my daughter tied me with 8.2. So what about you, David? Well, by the time I finished, the pixelated crowd had left the stadium. (laughs) And because they got fed up of watching a woman run uh, and then not jump. Uh, So my grand uh, total is zero, and I can only go up from here. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) All right. So uh, next up, we're back at the pool for the freestyle relay. Um, The 4 by 100 meters freestyle relay is a relay event in which each of four swimmers on a team swims a 100-meter freestyle leg in sequence. It's kind of like the running, but swimming. So... Again, here you press fire to position your swimmer at the starting block. Then you wait for mark, set, go. And I think this one beeps. I can't remember. I don't think it's a pistol sound. Um, And then you move right to jump in the water. Uh, But watch out for false starts. Press fire. Uh, Every time your swimmer's arm enters the water uh, to to basically do a power stroke for more speed. Um, When he reaches the far end of the pool, push left for a kick turn. And you can uh, can time that so you do that basically as, as early as you can. Um, gain a little time. And then when he reaches the other end, push right to get the next swimmer to dive in. And one thing I notice is your your previous swimmer never comes back out. <laughs> you don't know where they go. I think, I hope they don't drown. Anyway. <laughs> so pretty simple. This This one, to me, is one of the most boring of the games because it's, 400 meters of push the fire button at the right time, push the fire button at the right time, push the fire button at the right time. Oh, my God, am I done yet? Um. <laughs> Come on. So, this is an event I excelled in. <laughs> Sorry. So at this point, my son wandered off to play with Legos, so I was I was done competing against him. Um, I did it in three minutes, 36.3 seconds. Wow. Michael, how would you do? Yeah, this is definitely a game of endurance and, a, a, you know, if you have a, a, a poor attention span. <laughs> You will you will wander off and play Legos. Um, <laughs> talking about me, which yeah, that's oh you should have wandered off and played Legos. Um, yeah, uh, I did it in uh, three minutes and twenty four seconds, twenty four point seven. My daughter did it in four uh, minutes and oh six point four seconds. So it was a long time. What about you, David? Well, I was able to accomplish this fantastic feat of swimmery. In three minutes and thirty six point six seconds. Wow! I only barely eked out. Yeah. That. Yeah. So. Not well, bad. I want to tell you something just to make me feel a little better. <laughs> um, today, actually, as we were reviewing this game, today was my first time playing this game. So, <clears throat> these scores are my first scores ever. <laughs> Du- duly noted. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I got yeah. thirty thirty go- years under the belt, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, then, and then don't. And then also put the other excuse: faulty joystick. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta, remember, yeah. yeah Swimmer's yeah. ear. Bang the side of the TV a couple yeah, times. Yeah, there's other things too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Up next is the hundred meter freestyle. This one's um, freestyle is a category of swimming competition in which competitors are subject to only limited limited restrictions on their swimming stroke. Uh, affording the swimmer great freedom and style. His history was uh, it was introduced to men's uh, Olympics in 1896, and Alfred Hayosh of Hungary, and in 1912 uh, to the women's, and that was uh, Fanny Durack from Australia, 
Current record is uh, held by Cesar Cielo from Brazil, and that, he got that in uh, 2009, and that was 46.91 seconds. And here's a little bit of trivia. Often considered to be the highlight, or a.k.a. the Blue Ribbon event, of the sport of swimming. The first swimmers uh, to break the one-minute barrier, the long course, that's what this is called as well, was uh, Johnny Weissmuller in 1922. Uh, you, people might know the name Johnny because he was famous for playing Tarzan in many of the films in the 1930s and 40s. So how do we play? Well, this race is like the freestyle relay, except that the single swimmer competes just two lengths of the pool, so it's much shorter. Uh, great for us uh, short attention span people. The controls are executed in the same way as the freestyle relay. You jump in the water by pushing the joystick to the right. The kick turn is joystick to the left, and power stroke is the fire button. To win, get the best final time. Scores. What about you, Bill? Right. Um, so I was still in two-player, two-joystick mode because <laughs> my son <laughs> wandered off. Um, and this is one of the, the handful of games that does two players at once. So I basically did both fire buttons at the same time. Oh, neat. I got uh, one minute, eight seconds, and one minute, 8.3 seconds. So we'll <laughs> say we'll say one minute, eight seconds. <laughs> there should be a special award just for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pushing two buttons, buttons at once award. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I just didn't to let you know. Well, sorry. Yeah. Just to let you know that obviously one of your thumbs is slower. Yes. Yeah, by, exactly. Point by a seconds. third of a second. Wait, are you right-handed or left-handed? I'm right-handed. So that was the then it was but, the, the but left. I was I was using the, the Ed Laden. So I had player one on the left player. Two. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I got it in uh, 51.3 seconds, and my daughter got it in uh, one minute and two seconds. <laughs> you guys all months. you all beat me. I was playing two <laughs> players, and I couldn't do it right. <laughs> I have to try it sometime with two. We should have that as a con- uh, competition. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, David? Well, after building all- and toning my muscles in the other events, I was able to pull off 51.8 seconds. Nice. Wow, yeah. Not bad. Whoosh, whoosh, <laughs> whoosh. Basically. <laughs> All right. And the final event is skeet shooting. Skeet shooting is a recreational and competitive activity where participants, using shotguns, attempt to break clay targets mechanically flung into the air from two fixed stations at high speed from a variety of angles. Uh, so in this game, um, you press fire to release the targets uh, from the trap houses at the sides of the firing range. And then immediately use the joystick to aim your gun sight and press fire again to shoot. You only get one shot for a single target and two for double targets, so make them count, as the manual says. Um, gravity is slowly pulling down on your gun, which I always thought was a cool feature of this, um, so you'll have to correct for that. Um, it has less of an effect as you follow the target, though. So as you're moving the joystick around, it doesn't continuously go down. But if you if you leave the joystick centered, it starts drooping. Um, it's a heavy shotgun, I guess. Um, each each round consists of 25 targets worth one point each, um, and there are eight shooting sequences uh, of one or two targets each. Um, your gun sight starts at a different position on the range uh, in each sequence. And what I figured out is, since this is a 2, 2D game, uh, that's basically a simple way to account for the fact that in real life, participants actually move around the range itself. So they start from those eight different positions, and they have to shoot different directions. But since we're all flat, <laughs> they just they just made the uh, the gun... Made you start by pointing at a certain spot, and then you got to move your your gun up and shoot the clay pigeon. So, ah. all right. So um, this time, when I tried 15 hits, back in the Ferg, 
I got 22. So wow. Yeah, 22 out of 25. Never apparently topped that, but oops. Not bad. Well, I ended up getting 12, and my daughter got five. Um, this is a game that I I, I wish the uh, XEGS had a mouse at this time because it was like <laughs> the joystick was just a little clunky, and um, and boy, it's got the light gun. So I thought to myself, wow, this be a great light gun game. They could have uh, put that in, but unfortunately not. So, what about you, David? Well, firstly. I want to thank your daughter Alex for. Uh, I want to thank your daughter Alex for uh, making sure that she got lower scores than me to at least save some of my male ego left. And uh, as you were saying, the world is flat. Well, I was flat and fat, and I pulled off a seven. Now, actually, I didn't know that if you had two targets, you actually get to shoot twice. That I didn't know, but oh. regardless, it's I got pretty, seven. It's pretty cathartic when you can get both of them with one shot. That I, yeah. always, I wish yeah. you got bonus points for that, because that's so cool. And I like the way the clay pigeons kind of like disintegrate. Yeah. Little pixels go, fly away. Okay, so uh, completing the games. Um, An award ceremony occurs after each event, showing the names, countries, and scores of each competitor in the order they are placed. Uh, The name of the gold medal winner appears at the top of the screen, and their country's flag and their anthem plays. When all events have been decided, the grand champion is honored. Players receive points based on the medals they have received. So for uh, you get a gold uh, for five points, a silver for three points, and a bronze for one point. Okay, so the winners from our review. Guess what? In first place, it was Michael with 33 points, six gold, one silver, one bronze. Came in second place was Bill with 22 points, two gold, four silver, and two bronze. And in third place came me with 12 points, four silver, and four bronze. You're our anchor. (laughs) <laughs> I'm your anchor man. Yeah, that's right. What are the differences uh, from the 1984 disc version? Well, as noted by Andreas Koch over at Atari Mania, uh, this, uh, the disc version allowed up to eight players uh, versus the only three players of the cart. Saves your high scores, your Olympic records. Yeah, and I, I found some of mine from the uh, the 80s or early 90s. Uh, hi, Josh, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. Uh, let's uh, you choose a few events to take part in. The cart only lets us do one or all. Uh, fills a double-sided disc, so requires some disc swapping, DJing. Um, here's a helpful hint. In some emulators, like the Atari 800, uh, you can load uh, discs into drive one and two and then quickly swap discs between the two drives. Uh, do that with the two sides of the several games disc. So you mount uh, side one in disc one and side two in disc two. It's pretty cool. Uh, in comparison, the cartridge was 128 kilobytes. Thanks to RDEA6 on Atari Age forums for producing a version of the Summer Games cartridge ROM dump that worked on the Ultimate Cart. Now, I had one that worked on my Ultimate Cart. It didn't work on Bill, so that was weird. And also thanks for pointing us to an Atari ROM Maker tool, a tool written in Java and available over at the Woodson Atari development website. And the disk version of Atari Max Flash Cart 
the disk version was hacked to work on a uh, Max Flash cart and includes saving high scores back to the Flash memory. Cool. And so, we also have a link for that put in our show notes. I, would, I wonder if that would work on the Ultimate cart because the Ultimate cart can simulate the Max Flash cart, right? Yes. Yeah, but I didn't. Should, I, did, I yeah. didn't try. I didn't try that because I wanted to. I wanted to play the XCGS cart version to see the differences. But yeah, I'll have to go back and try that. Hmm, neat. Like, yeah, because it's a little little code routine that does it, so I wouldn't see why not. Mm-hmm. All right, Legacy. Uh, the Commodore 64 version was the original, um, but along with the Atari 8-bit, it was also ported to the Apple II, Atari 2600. Uh, Atari 7800, Sega Master System, Atari ST, Amiga, Amstrad CPC, and ZX Spectrum. Um, there were a number of sequels, none of which the Atari 8-bit got. <clears throat> anyway, uh, including Summer Games 2 uh, in 1985 for the Commodore 64, Apple II, Atari ST, Amiga, MS-DOS, Amstrad, and ZX Spectrum. It included the triple jump, high jump, rowing, javelin, equestrian, fencing, kayaking, and cycling events. Um, some ports of the game actually allowed participating in events from the original game, too. So if you have the, the Summer Games 1 discs, you can actually have a gigantic, you know, what would be 16-game event. Wow. Uh, Winter Games, also released in 1985 for the Commodore, Apple II and 2GS, Atari ST, Amiga, MS-DOS, Mac, 2600 and 7800, NES, Amstrad CPC, and ZX Spectrum. It's really interesting to see the, the variety of systems that are released on, like, in the same year. Um, this one included alpine skiing, ski jump, biathlon, bobsled, figure skating, speed skating, luge, luge, and, uh, luge, and hot dog aerials events. And then the next year, 1986, World Games. For the Commodore 64, Apple II and 2GS, Atari ST, Amiga, MS-DOS, NES, Sega Master System this time, CPC, and ZX Spectrum. This one has weightlifting, slalom skiing, log rolling, cliff diving, diving, Caber toss, bull riding, barrel jump, jumping, and sumo wrestling events. And then finally, 1987 was California Games. Do 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 do. Sorry. Um, for the Commodore 64, 128, uh, Apple II, 2GS, Atari ST, Amiga, MS DOS, 2600, Atari Lynx, NES, Master System, Genesis, Amstrad, CPC, and ZX Spectrum. I remember playing Winter Games, and it must have been on the Atari ST because you know I, I had strong memories of doing the the ski jump, and it was it was pretty fun. I remember trying to land just right. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was good. yeah, that, that was I, that was I, a good I, one. Yeah, I remember playing Winter Games on the Commodore sixty four. Yeah, yeah. So where can you buy this? Well, Best Electronics has it. Uh, they had the 1988 cart uh, listed on their site, but they're all sold out, unfortunately. So I guess they don't have it. Uh, BNC Computer Vision has the 1984 disc for 1995 uh, U.S. eBay has it for um, the 1984 disc. Uh, new in box for $15. That's pretty reasonable, U.S. And you can buy it now. Um, they also have in box uh, $13.00. U.S. or best offer and $6 U.S. or best offer in um, Australia. And disc only is $12 U.S. Buy it now. So I'd say uh, go for that $15 one, right, if you if you got the money. Well, I just want to say about when it comes to best offers, 
I love I love eBay best offers because at one time I was trying to uh, bid on a Atari Jaguar, mm. and he said a hundred. I think it was two hundred or best offer. So I think I I think I said okay, I'll give you one seventy five. Mm-hmm. And he came back with a price of one ninety five, which was five bucks less. <laughs> so why not just put one ninety five? Yeah. <laughs> so I just gotta say I haven't had very much luck with best offers. Yeah. Yeah. And one seventy five. What'd you say the original price was? Uh, it was one ninety nine. I think I said one seventy one seventy five. That's and reasonable. He came back just basically five dollars less. Yeah. It was a budging. Oh well. Alright, um, so some of these other ports uh, have been reviewed by some of our uh, cousin podcasts. Um, 2600 Game by Game podcast covered both summer and winter games recently. The 7800 Game by Game, by game podcast, episode 13, uh, covered summer games. Also Super Huey, if you're interested in that. And uh, Antic Podcast interview number 24, which at this point is probably 100 years ago at the rate they're going. Um, <laughs> Michael Katz was interviewed, and he actually oversaw the release of Summer Games and others. So we'll have some links in our show notes for where you can download it if you want to try it on an emulator or Ultimate Cart or SIO2SD or something like that. And time for reviews. So, Michael, tell us tell us your thoughts on this game. Yeah, so I had this as a kid, and it was great for uh, groups. I actually had a party at my house one time, and we all kind of finished it just playing uh, this game. And, um, of course, I used to play a lot of track and field, the arcade game, and I won that action at home. And I'll say I kind of got it. Um, let's talk about the graphics. I give it an 8. I say, uh, you know, the animations are pretty well done. I mean, those birds flying and all the running uh, looks really good. Um, and the, um, the only problem is the intro screen, not the ceremony, but the intro screen and, um, menu screens are a little bit bland, just text. Uh, so what about sound and music? Uh, I give it an eight. Uh, there's lots of sound and music. I won't say it's great sound and music, but there's so much of it. I have to give it for quantity and not so much as quality. And some like said are better than others. Like we were just kind of making fun of the, uh, the swimming kind of a whoosh, whoosh. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know if it could be better, but it, it's just some of the stuff where they uh, land on the mats is like a thud, so it's not uh, not the best. But um, I noticed also there wasn't a lot of cheering. I think there was one event that had cheering, and it didn't. You know, you need to complete something. You expect the crowd to go wild, and there was no going wild. So I wasn't. Uh, I think there were c- cardboard cutouts. Yeah, they were, they were all staring at me like get better scores, there, guy. As far as gameplay goes, I gave it a seven. Um, practice is a must, but it didn't let me stay practicing. I mean, I'd, I'd basically practice, and they would kick me out, and have, then I'd get back into a practice again. I'd like to have that kind of, conti- would you like to continue practicing? And uh, when I was doing the uh, single events, I noticed that uh, they had they had me pick my flag again and change my name, and it's like, well, I guess that makes sense, but I was just like, okay, got to stop, put my name, and choose another country. I'd just like to have a continue on those. But I did like the fact that you could play one event or all events. That was really nice. And I recommend playing with a friend, and the head-to-head is the most enjoyable. But um, I noticed that every time I'd uh, play an event and then you know play a single event and come back out, it reset the joystick to number one, and so I had to 
put back to two. I, I found myself like playing the game as one with one joystick when I previously had set it to two. So um, I, I wish they would have fixed that. Uh, also, even with two joysticks, some of the single-player games, you had to use one joystick. What's the point? I mean, <laughs> I'm holding a joystick. He's holding a joystick. I use my joystick, and it's all sweaty. I have to give it to him. He's, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, some of the games are better than others, as we talked about. My favorites were pole vaulting um, skeet and diving. Uh, I found that freestyle relay was tedious. I mean, we all got three or four minutes of completing that. Gymnastics is difficult, and I didn't find it to be fun. What I did find fun was when I fell or, you know, like flat on my face, we felt, we had a, a blast with that. We laughed uh, uncontrollably. I also found that the scoring didn't add up. Uh, I actually looked at some of the scores, and when they uh, finished totaling, it wasn't the right score. So, uh, And then also when they uh, tied, there was nobody sharing the medal. In the Olympics, uh, if you tie, you share the medal. You get two golds. Uh, I found that a couple times uh, that happened and one of us got the gold and it wasn't me. So I was a little bit upset. So as far as presentation goes, um, I give it a seven. A ceremonies, a ceremony screen looked great. Uh, I couldn't find the manual, unfortunately, but I don't think any of us could. But I looked at the C64 one and it was a bit bland. It was, but they have good info. So not bad, not great. What about you, Bill? Um, graphics, I also gave it an 8, um, mostly for the animation. The uh, the animation of the athletes and uh, some of the use of some extra colors, um, keeping it from being four, just four or five colors. You could tell that in some places they used a little bit more. Um, was nice. Uh, sound and music, um, I gave it a 6. The anthems are great, but the other sounds, like you said, are pretty basic. And, yeah, I missed the, the crowd roaring. It was very, like, kind of depressing. You know, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're in the I room. Know. You're in the room. You just got a 10.0, and it's like... Yeah, it's ne- dead. Next. <laughs> even Come booing, cool. even booing oh, would have been yeah, preferred. Yeah, right. Some reaction. <laughs> They're all looking at their cell phones. No, um. Yeah. <laughs> and those were big cell phones back in the 80s. I know, right? Okay. Uh, gameplay, I give it a six. I played it a lot as a kid, but I think it was probably because it was only a, one of a handful of commercial games that I owned. Um, and I normally played skeet shooting, gymnastics, and sometimes diving, and basically ignore, ignore the rest. The uh, the joystick jiggling ones or the the really tedious like four minute long games. Yeah, I did not. I was not into those. Uh, presentation, uh, I give it a seven. Um, it loses some points because its its menus are really slow and tedious. Um, it to me, it's as if they're only pulling the joystick to see if you're moving it every like second or a couple couple times a second versus like. 60 times a second, basically immediately responsive. Um, so like you'd have to hold the joystick down for a sec before it'd go, oh, you're pushing down? Okay, I'll move the menu item. Oh. Um, and the flag-choosing cursor is really slow. Like, if you forget to do diagonal, if you're trying to go, like, down and to the right or something, if you go right, you go, oh, I have to go all the way to the right. And then I have to go all the way down. It takes, like, three seconds for it to move. And then at least for the disc version, uh, I found the manual for that, and I thought it was excellent. I, it's funny you say that with the joystick because I was noticing that that it was it was slow and I thought it was my joystick it was bad, and I never even knew about the diagonal selection. I kept you know moving it down, moving to the right. So thank you for yeah. that tip. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I thought something was wrong with my joystick. So what I did was I went and plugged in one of my hacked NES controllers that I use on the 7800 to see if that would make a difference, and it didn't. So. Hmm. I agree. The selection of uh, selecting the 
the different flags was quite quite slow. I wonder what they were doing, like to. I mean, was all the cycles going to the the flashing cursor, and no they were idea. just yeah, strange. Anyway, all right, David, what about you? So as far as graphics go, I gave it an eight. The sprite animations are very nice, and the movement is fluid. I found the backgrounds of the events uh, detailed to a degree, especially the little pixelated people, <laughs> um, including sometimes the stadiums. Uh, for example, uh, when you were doing the 100-meter dash, let's call it, uh, where you'd be running and then you would see USA would show up mm-hmm. as if there was a crowd there and everybody had a placard and they were mm-hmm. turning it around at the right time to you know, to see uh, USA in big, bold uh, letters. So I like that. Um, Music and sound, I gave it a seven. The anthems were great. They were just snippets of the anthems, but still, uh, the gunshots were okay. But uh, one of the down things for me was there were no sounds during certain events. Like, of course, we were talking about the swimming, swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. And, of course, there was the shooting, but... For example, when I was doing the relays, the four, uh, the, uh, the the 100 meter dash, I thought, well, at least let me hear like my footsteps. Let me hear some running. <laughs> let me hear something. It's like the vacuum of space. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, gameplay, I give it an eight. This is truly a great multiplayer game, but uh, but a little less so playing solo. Definitely a party game and best played with two or more friends. As far as presentation goes, uh, the box looks nice uh, with the Epic Summer Games cover in the center. The back of the box has some screenshots. Uh, the box also indicates that you're going to require a keyboard and a joystick. And plus, the game has the opening and award ceremonies and, again, the national anthems. So. And we have some external reviews. Atari Mania gave it a 7.7 out of 10, and that's from 80 reviews. And Video Game Critic gave it a grade B, and Readers gave it a grade B minus, and from, that's from five votes. All right, user feedback time. Um, Rob, host of the Player Missile Podcast and author of the Omnivore Atari 8. 8- bit binary editor and uh, Jumpman level editor writes in that he uh, enjoyed the latest episode, especially all that talk about the budget games and the Rainbird, Firebird, whatever bird being a division of British Telecom. Cool stuff. I had no idea. I had a question about your ratings. Could each of you give us an idea of how your personal rating scale works? Like for instance, what would take it? What would it take for a game to get a 10 in a category and maybe give an example of a game that gets a 10 for that category? I'd be curious so I could have a basis for comparisons. Well, Rob, you give us way too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how do you guys do it? I <laughs> I have a I have a process, but <laughs> I would 
give Star Raiders a 10 for gameplay and like a 6 or 7 for graphics. And maybe yeah. like a, maybe a 7 or 8 for sound because it doesn't really have like music. Just as kind of like a, a baseline, let's say. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a hard one. Yeah. I don't know. We, I think it also fluctuates over time as, as we try out more things or, or our nostalgia kicks in. So, yeah, yeah. I would say take it with a grain of salt, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Mostly you're hearing us yammer on about what we like and dislike, and I think the numbers don't make too much of a difference. Just take, take, take from it what you will, I think. Yeah, I try to I try to look at the the technology. Like, what can the Atari do? Do mm. I see those essence of that in the game, or did they just basically do a carbon copy? For this game, I looked at several different versions. I looked at the Apple II, looked at the Commodore 64, I looked at the Atari 7800, and all of them look very similar. And I, I didn't think. Now, of course, obviously, uh, you know, certain ones have their uh, strengths of the the system, and but they're all very similar. So I thought to myself, did they really stretch the Atari's capabilities? Uh, and did sound, you know, I've heard some games with great sound and, you know, I give this an eight and it was, it wasn't really about the sound. It was more about, Hey, you guys chalked it full of music and, and things. But if they had very few sounds, I think I wouldn't give it such a high, but yeah, it's, I, I, it's more gut than it is science. So what about you, David? Well, there is no science. It's all, <laughs> it's all a very enormous gut. <laughs> And, uh, and, um, really. We're swimming. Yeah, we're swimming, yeah. Well, remember the belly flop, belly flop. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, for me, really, listen, let's just go to put it to you this way. It's about experience. What do you have experienced? How many things have you tried, uh, in your history of playing games? None of us are, uh, reviewers, uh, by, uh, by our job. Uh, so again, I don't think we ever advertise that we are professional uh, reviewers. We're just a bunch of guys who are getting on there in years yeah. who remember <laughs> our youth and uh, all the great games that we uh, played and are uh, playing again. So really, uh, like I said, there's no science here. It's just uh, completely guttural. So anybody who listens to any of our reviews has all the – um, opportunity to either accept it, reject it, like it, don't like it. You know, it's just a couple of guys with, with just saying our thoughts and we put yeah. it to some numbers. So <laughs> yeah. And in fact, they could even write in and tell us what they think or, you know, send an audience. Yeah, sure. Tell us we, off. We, why not? You know, <laughs> don't agree. <laughs> well, We're as Michael would say, as Michael would say, bring it. Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> I did say bring it, didn't I? Yeah. All right. Okay. Second feedback is from Adam Triofino from um, the Bally Alley Astrocast podcast. Uh, I have to say that before I had spoken with Adam, I can't really recall knowing about this system. I know I've never seen one in real life before, so it was neat to, to find out about this uh, this unit, and I did list, start listening to his podcast. I suggest everybody does it as well. It's a great listen. Adam does a good job. Um, Adam had several questions and comments. I'm going to target uh, the few that I think uh, you listeners might uh, also have. Uh, whenever you guys give the rating of um, sound and music, it, it sounds like you're saying sound of music. And 
And uh, I thought the same thing the first time we recorded. I think we're saying it too quickly. So I'm trying to actually pronounce the word separate sound and music. Well, did um, you notice – well, Michael, did you notice that when I did my review, I said music and sound? Oh, that's good. I like ah, it. I'm, I'm just going to say SFX and MSX. Yeah, that sounds cooler too. It's so that's that sounds 80s or 90s. You know, I like got, the GFX the, too. It's got excellent GFX. Yeah, you got the, you got street cred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question was our statement. Uh, you guys drive me crazy when you pronounce Zegs or XEGS as Zegs system. So, um, uh, David's answer: Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so I, I always call the Nintendo an NES and yep. the Super Nintendo, Super Nintendo. But I'm starting to notice that other people call them the NES or the NES yep. and, the, and the SNES or SNES. Nez. So I think we're getting a little into the Karataka, Karatika, Galaga, Galaga, GIF, <laughs> GIF territory here. So can we all just get along? <laughs> you know, it's funny. My daughter takes uh, Japanese. And I asked her how, the other day, how do you pronounce? Because uh, I used to pronounce it Karataka. And I and she pronounced it, and I need to get that pronunciation again. But uh, yeah, okay. And another question. Okay, is but Scott? just before we go any further, just yeah. for him, he yeah. might notice in this episode I did not say. You didn't. Is that for him? No. Oh, that's just for you. <laughs> just. For... <laughs> Don't get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Okay, Adam loves the budget games, but is concerned that a lot of these games are PAL only. How do NT, NTSC owners get a chance to play these games, and how do those versions compare to their PAL counterparts, seeing as the PAL is 50 kilohertz? Well, I play mine on an emulator, I think. Uh, I don't have a PAL machine. But I do know there's a fix out there that allows uh, you to switch between PAL and uh, – or not switch between, but to actually get the PAL games. I saw it on the internet. I don't know how well it uh, actually works, but uh. – So so that's actually what I have on my 800XL. Um, oh. And I did that, I want to say, something like 20 years ago. Um, Near Derry, who people might know from uh, – he was on Antic uh, recently and um, – has been posting a lot to the uh, to the Antic uh, podcast Facebook page actually some some pretty cool um, kind of modern videos of of new gadgets like the Ultimate Cart and the Veronica device and stuff like that. Um, but basically, all, all he said to do was take the uh, the NTSC Antic out and put a PAL Antic in, and that should be sufficient for the most part. Um, there are some games that that look at a bit in the GTIA chip to try to determine what um, what model you have, and they'll refuse to run unless you hack them. Um, but mostly that's from like the demo scene. Um, straight up games just work. Uh, the colors might be a little bit different, but otherwise it works fine. And then I can play all my NT- NTSC stuff on it as well. Um, the only issue is, is things are a little bit slower. They run at basically five sixths the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you play pac-man or something like the original pac-man uh that doesn't that doesn't know that you're on a pal system it plays a little bit slower than if i played on my 1200 xl which is a straight up ntsc um and then all i do um to deal with uh the video is i hook it up to crt like my commodore 1902 or my amdeck uh 300 and they've got a vertical adjustment uh, vertical hold, hold knob basically and i just fiddle it fiddle with it until it stops rolling and if i get it just right the Atari doesn't roll, but then I've got a switch box. If I switch to like the NES or the Genesis or the PlayStation or whatever, you know, I got it just tuned perfectly where they all they all seem to work fine on that same monitor without any oh. any adjustments. So, 
Um, and then, yeah, as you said, uh, emulator works. And that's actually what I've been, been doing with the budget games, because a lot of these games are just tape-based games, and I don't have a yeah. tape drive, so... And I'm not going to be hunting down these games in in, <laughs> in physical yeah. media. So, um, so yeah, I just I suffer with the emulator and usually just a keyboard, not even a control a controller, just out of you know haste to yeah. to get a little review in and get my thoughts. So, I'm surprised nobody's made a switch. You know, they have a PAL on one side and TSC on the other, and they just switch between them. There's not enough demand for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, what I'm finding is a lot of the 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 coders making games. Um, in the PAL region are actually being a little bit more concerned about NTSC compatibility. So that actually, there are some games that actually not only work on both, but they actually try to keep the timing the right between the two um, systems. So, so you get the same gameplay on both uh, devices. So pretty cool. Well, thank you very much to uh, homebrewers out there. Yeah. Appreciate that. And he also asked, uh, do you guys uh, plan to only uh, cover cartridge games? And, um, yeah, at this point in time, uh, there are a ton of cartridges for the uh, XEGS. We figured we'd be doing this podcast at least a couple of years, and <laughs> if we don't if we don't make them the episodes come out more often, it's going to be uh, decades. But uh, mm-hmm. but we at this point in time, we have enough with the uh, the cartridges um, and with the budget games that I think we we're probably going to do this. Who knows what the future holds? But right now, it's cartridge only. Yeah, I think there was um something like three dozen XEGS or XE branded cartridges, but then there's also all the 400-800 XL cartridges yep. um, that we kind of throw into the mix as well. Um, I checked, when I when I saw this feedback, I, I checked Atari Mania today and looked at all the games just that site lists for the Atari 8-bit. Um, and obviously there's going to be some duplicates in there, like different uh, territory versions or whatever, but it's almost 9,000 games, so yeah, oh I, think, I think we're going to focus on... on <laughs> On just the XE and XEGS style carts, and then mix in the I other think... the other compatible cartridge okay. ones. Okay, let's put you this way, Ferg. That's doing the 2600 game by game podcast. Do you think he would have started if he had 8,900 games to review? <laughs> Probably not. No. Maybe yeah. maybe he would. I don't know. But I'm just like saying, you know, we're bu- we're all busy people. Yeah. We do this for the love of Atari, for the love of uh, our hobby, uh, and uh, to give back to the community. So, I mean, we, our lifespans are only so long, <laughs> and and uh, really, um, this is called the XCGS Cart by Cart podcast. So, at minimum, we have we're going to review all of those games, yeah. and then plus add games here or there. Uh, like Michael said, who knows? By the time we finish all of the XEGS branded Atari games, uh, we'll see we'll see how far we go after that. I mean, it'll just depend, right? That's a good point too. Is uh, we have to change the graphics on the web page and the name of our <laughs> Facebook because we have to throw disc, you know, XEGS cart by disc and tape and, and tape. <laughs> yeah, an SD card, yeah. <laughs> an SD card, yeah. laser disc. <laughs> Uh, right. Let's let's move on. I think. Yep. Um, uh, you might have noticed that uh, Kieran is missing from this episode uh, due to technical difficulties. He wasn't able to be on the show. He is dearly missed, and we hope to have him on the next episode. Yeah. 
And you'll probably notice this this uh, episode that we only reviewed one game. And we're going to try to get out more uh, episodes, uh, hopefully bi-monthly. Uh, if not monthly, I know now we're thinking about we're hitting every three months. And so what we're going to do is we're going to slow it down a little bit and just do one XEGS cart game and one budget game. So hopefully you'll get more XEGS cart by cart fun. <laughs> and thanks again to RDEA6 on the Atari Age Forum for helping us get the XE cart uh, dump of summer games running on our ultimate carts. Yay! Thanks everybody for tuning in. Bye! Bye-bye. So long. In our next episode, we'll hop into our Valkyrie space fighters and shoot some jaggy saucers to review Lucasfilm's Rescue on Fractalus. And Karen will be back with another budget game, Advanced Pinball Simulator. You can find our latest episodes, news, and information on our website, www.xegs8bit.com. We also have links on there, so you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd like to thank ComputeHer for giving us permission to use her song software as our show's theme song. You can visit ComputeHer at ComputeHer.com. That's ComputeHer.com for more information. Also, thanks to the folks who contribute to and maintain the Atari Media Database, Wikipedia, and other fine results of Google searching. We are part of the Throwback Network, a group of podcasters with one thing in common. We all love old things. Whether it's old video games, old movies, old toys, or simply old stories, the Throwback Network is the place to find them all. Visit ThrowbackNetwork.net to learn more. We're also part of the Retro Junkies Network, a network of like-minded retro enthusiasts who like to keep things clean and family-friendly. Our content ranges from retro gaming, retro movies, retro TV shows, retro music, and basically anything retro that is worth remembering. Find us at theretrojunkies.com. Atari 64 ver- <laughs> Atari 64. <laughs> you can't say it. <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> Are you keeping up with the Commodore? Because the Commodore is keeping up with you. <laughs> All right. It's karaoke time. Our star ratings. Okay. Um. <laughs> Coast of the Bally Alley Astrocade, a podcast about the Bally Astrocade game console, pointed out. Valley Alley Astrocast. See what he did there? Oh, it's Astrocast. Okay, let me try that again. All right. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad you caught that. Okay. Well, our second submission was from Adam Triofino, uh, host of the Valley Alley Astrocade podcast, and he says, <clears throat> did I say Astrocast? Dang it, I do this yeah. all the time. <laughs> what the heck? Okay. Batman. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh my god, it's my Batman. <laughs> I've always liked sti- I always like steroids, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> okay. I <clears throat> I was I had a Schwarzenegger moment. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs>